Blog Talk Radio. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is on So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it, baby, when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz. Place to be. Hi, this is Peggy Scott Adams, and guess what? I am buzzing with my man Brandon on Brandon Buzz. This is Michael Brainerd on Brandon's Buzz. Are you Buzz? This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, and welcome to Brandon's Buzz. It's Friday, May 29th, 2009. It's 10.30 a.m. here in Texas. It's 8.30 a.m. out on the uh, sleepy West Coast, and 11.30 back in New York. And I'm closing out May here at Brandon's Buzz with a fantastic guest today. Uh, And I want to give you a heads up for what's coming next week. Next week, June 4th, it's Thursday. Um, It's 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, with a great singer-songwriter, a legendary Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter by the name of Brenda Russell. Uh, you recall her hit Piano in the Dark from the late 80s. She wrote the score for the Broadway version of The Color Purple, and she's written all kinds of Broadway scores and movie scores and uh, hit albums. I mean, she's just an amazing musician, and she's coming by the buzz to talk about all of that next Thursday, June 4th. Uh, again, it's 2 p.m. Eastern. That's not right. It's it's Oh, God. It's Oh, I've already forgotten. It's, it's 2 p.m. My, you can look at you can look at the website and it's noon Pacific, so it's 3 p.m. Eastern. Okay, that's that's better. June 4th, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, and you can find out all the information at my show's website, brandonsbuzz.com, uh, and blogtalkradio.com/brandonsbuzz. Brandonsbuzz.com is my blog. Blogtalkradio.com/brandonsbuzz is the show uh, webpage, and you can get all the information about future shows, and you can listen to and download all the past shows from those two websites. You can also find me on on iTunes, guys. Uh, Type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. uh, Click on on the puzzle logo. You'll see my name. You can download individual old shows as podcasts, or you can subscribe to the show and have them automatically uh, download to your iTunes library the minute they're uploaded to the iTunes Music Store. So I'm all over the Internet. There is no excuse not to be able to find me. Uh, just Google Brandon's Buzz, and something about me will come up. And uh, please come enjoy the show, leave comments, send me an email, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. Uh, I love hearing from the from the audience and the fans of the show. So by all means, drop me a line and tell me what you think. Uh, Brandon'sBuzz.com, BlogTalkRadio.com, slash Brandon's Buzz, iTunes, find the show, listen to the show. Uh, there's some great guests on the show, including the one I have today, you know, her legendary column, Critical Condition, written under the romantic nom de plume of Marlena Delacroix, was a staple of Soap Opera Weekly's award-winning coverage for, 12, uh, for 20 glorious years. Uh, uh, the magazine has run for 20 years, and she was in the magazine for 12 of those years. Uh, and in that time, she spoke her mind about pretty much every topic that crossed her mind, uh, earning in the process the loyalty and love of millions of soap fans the world over. After stepping away from the scene in 2001 to get married and return to school, she returned in 2006 
moving her signature sassy sagacity into the blogosphere with a fun new website that bears her longtime pen name. And she's come by the buzz this morning for a discussion of all the latest goings on inside the crazy soap world. What a genuine thrill to welcome to my show today the fiercely funny and the amazingly astute Marlena herself, Connie Pasolacqua Heyman. Oh, hi, Brandon. I'm really pleased to be here. Really excited to to be here. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, and this is a great, great thrill for me today. Well, it's a great thrill for me to speak to you, too. So, you know, before we dive in, I want to I kind of get the boring stuff out of the way first. I want to peel back the curtain on Marlena a little bit. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school? Oh, goodness. I was, born, um, I was born in Brooklyn, and I grew up in Queens. Um, I went to Stony Brook, and I have a graduate degree from NYU, which I just got a couple, couple years ago. And um, I teach at Marymount Manhattan University College right now, journalism. And you've taught journalism for, uh, for a long time, yes? Right, yeah, I, I actually uh, did, did uh, teach uh, journalism at NYU for about 10 years, too. Wow. Yeah, I remember in some of your columns you mentioning that, that you taught real-life students. And, in fact, you devoted several columns to to kind of tracking the trends of, uh, of college students at that time versus college students when you were growing up. Oh, I'll say, yeah. And, and um, you know, when I was growing up, nobody talked about it. You know, you were in the closet. You know, nobody I knew watched soaps. It was a secret, you know. And, and then, you know, when I was teaching at NYU, kids actually did talk about it. Now, not many watch anymore. So it's, yeah. really, it's been kind of a weird, weird path. Do you find that, that not many people watch, or do you find that not many, not many people watch in the traditional ways? I mean, do you, do you, do you, do you find that, that more people watch than they think, or do you find that it's just not, not that big a deal anymore? I, I think uh, not many people watch. You know, I know that when Passions was on, there were a lot of, like, you know, people, a lot of kids who are really into the campiness of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's very rare that you'll find, you know, like people who watch the ABC soaps like we used to or... Mm-hmm. You know, they watch Passions, and I think they watch a little bit of Days. But, you know, it's very minimal. Um, whereas when I first was in the, started in the magazine industry in 1980, that was during Luke and Laura, so everybody watched, and certainly everybody watched at college, too. And, I mean, I'm sure you have your theories on, on why that is. What do you attribute that to? What, the fact that college kids don't watch? Yeah, the, just the, the fall off in terms of the... Oh, God, that's, that's <laughs> we could talk about that for days. <laughs> I mean, you know, simply because you and I are both fans, because they're bad, because the shows are not very good anymore. I think that's really the the overall problem. I think there's a lot of a lot of factors that went into that, and, and uh, as I said, you could talk about it for days. But I really, you know, there really isn't anything to kind of get you into them anymore the way they used to be. You know, in the old days, there were no spoilers, so you wanted to watch every day and. Mm-hmm. See what happened, and they were about family and romance, and now they're about racists and you know mob bosses, and you know I don't think there's anything that, that kind of attracts you the way it it was when I first started watching. Yeah, and when did you first start watching? Oh, this is so embarrassing. Um, well, it really is embarrassing. It was when I was about 13 or 14 because my mother worked in the library, and um, I used to come home from school early every day, so that's when I started to watch. You know, so that was like 19. 70 or so, 68, 69, 70, when it was really heavy-duty soap opera, uh-huh. you know. So, you know, it's a totally different world than it is today, that's for sure. 12 or 13, you got kind of a late start, I think. Really? No. People don't start before that, do they? I, I, I know I did. I, I, I grew up on my grandmother's knee watching. I remember coming home 
from preschool, uh-huh. uh, half-day preschool, and just in time to catch the last 10 minutes of Texas. Wow. And Texas, then what a great it was show. a day of, it was, you know, a day full of days of our lives and another oh. world and later Santa Barbara. Oh, she was an NBC person. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then in the late 80s, I discovered One Life to Live and fell in love with the ABC shows. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah. Uh-huh. It's been those ever since. So, you know, I, I started early and I, I think, uh, I would imagine a lot of people started early. I, I, you know, I'm surprised to hear you say 12, 13, 14, so. Well, I didn't have a, you know, my mother, um, who passed away last month, never watched a soap opera in her life and delighted in telling people that. You know, she was a movie writer, movie fan. So, um, you know, I literally just found it on my own. You know, I was not introduced <laughs> to it by anyone. You know, and what was your favorite soap growing up? Oh, in the beginning, Days in Another World, definitely. Days was great. That's when Bill Bell was writing it. And Another World was fantastic. Those were the glory years of another world, were they not? They certainly were, and I, you know, my first, very first storyline was, um, boy, this really dates me. Um, Alice and Steve and Rachel, when Rachel was played by Robin Strasser, and it was she was just amazing, and uh, it was written by Agnes Nixon, you know, uh-huh. who I got to know later on. So it was just fantastic soap opera, really, and 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 George Reinhold was like the, you know, the most handsome soap opera star <laughs> who ever lived, and a real kind of a weird guy. The squarest jaw of any man that that ever lived. What? For sure. The squarest jaw of any man that ever lived. For oh, me. just to look at him. I saw him in person once, like when I was a kid in New York, and I almost like passed out. I mean, he just like when you see him, it was like, <gasps> you know? I mean, he's, he's intense blue eyes, too. Uh-huh. So. You know, it's so funny you mentioned his name because I've been trying to find him and get him on my show because I bet he's got some stories that will curl everybody's toes. Well, um, there's always a debate about whether or not he's still with us, okay? You know, I once wrote he was dead in my column, and people went crazy because he isn't. But, you know, he had a very sad story, and he once yes. wrote Marlena a poem. And I yes, was, I, I remember that. When that after, was just amazing to me. But, after the whole hustler controversy. That, yes, yes, yeah. yes. So he was, uh, you know, quite a character, quite a <laughs> character. So it's really thrilling to be able to meet these people after you've grown up, you know, watching them. And, and that's what's fun about these things. That was fun about being a soap reporter. And so, how did you come to the ABC shows? Um, I think that uh, I can't remember, but I think that all my children. I just loved all my children because it was funny and sophisticated, and I thought it was so smart and classy. And yeah, but I was right um, because you know that was when Agnes started it, and um, you know I just think it was a soap for for the intelligent, so to speak. So that's why I started watching that. And One Life I started to watch because it was on after Dark Shadows. How's that for old, old, old? Okay, I remember, wow. I remember you know, when, when someone else played Vicky. So, you know, it's been a really long time. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've, I have, you know, pretty much grown up on those shows, too. Although, you know, when I became a soap reporter, I had to watch everything. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, talk, talk about deciding to make this a living for yourself. Uh, how did you come to that decision? Well, <laughs> it wasn't really a decision, and, you know, as things always go in life. I worked, when I got out of college, I worked for a teen magazine, Teen Beat, and I was unemployed, just like people are unemployed now, and someone I knew said, you know, why don't you, you know, I know this guy named John Michael Reed. Do you know who he is? Uh, you he know was, what, he had a magazine I, called Daily TV Serials, which was like oh. the, the very first um, serious soap magazine, and it was a fantastic magazine. And he just, he just, they just needed someone, he needed somebody to write summaries. So I actually sat in his office and wrote summaries. And, and that's how it started. And then uh, he was also um, an editor of this magazine called Afternoon TV. And I was very lucky that I got to be the editor of Afternoon TV. 
1981, and then it all kind of blew up from there. Wow. That, that was the very beginning, 81. It was a great time to be a soap editor. You, you know, talk about the talk about the evolution of of the the soap magazine industry. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it, you know, it, it started in the mid 70s, I believe. Right. Yes. Uh, FM TV was the, the first soap magazine, by the way, and you know they were all monthly, okay, and they were really put out by movie magazine people. And you know, the fact that even FM TV was monthly, I mean, you know, we had a four month lead time, so we could never keep up with anything. You know, like we would put people on the cover, and they would be dead by the time the cover. <laughs> came out, you know, Kelly and, what's her name? Morgan, yes, Morgan, Kelly and Morgan on uh, on on Guiding Light. Morgan was dead by the time our cover came out. So it was fun. It was just like two people on the magazines. And what happened was, um, as the years went by, um, the technology became, you know, you know, available so they could put out magazines weekly, you know, daily, whatever. And when Soap Opera Weekly came into being, Soap Opera Weekly was the first magazine that had weekly spoilers, so I think that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons it was such a huge success, besides myself, of course. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the industry exploded again. There was yes, Soap Opera Update, and there was Soaps uh, in yeah, Depth, because, and there was Soap Opera News. And... Because people were making money on soaps. Yeah. People were still watching them. You know, that's why there were so many magazines. I mean, it was really possible to make, you know, a pretty nice profit then. And I think that, that Soap Opera Weekly was really in the forefront of that. Because it was no a question good, about Because it. it was a great magazine. And it was it was there every week, and it was it was up to the minute, and it was hot. Well, it was also you know as I plan to write in you know a column soon. It was real journalism. I mean, we really just told the truth. I mean, we were not afraid of the publicists and the networks, and you know, I mean, we really got to write what we wanted. It was not like a kiss up kind of magazine as other magazines were. Don't ask me to mention their names, but <laughs> and uh, we were very lucky because you know it was it was the right thing at the right time because we it was very successful and Mimi Torchin, who was the editor defended us and really went to bat for me and you know and to to, to to you know to say look this is reality you know we're writing journalism we're not trying to promote soaps we're trying to cover soaps and I think that's one of the reasons I think you know she's the main reason or you know and the timing why it was such a big success. Talk about how you came to Soap Opera Weekly. I mean, you were the editor of a magazine, and and uh, oh no no, I was a freelancer. I was uh, I was freelancing for everyone. I think Michael Logan had a magazine, and I worked for United Features Syndicate. I had column with them for years, and Mimi just called me up one day and said, "Well, you want to write a critical column?" And I said, "Okay," wow. <laughs> and that's how it happened, basically. Wow. But I was also working for Episodes. Do you remember Episodes? The ABC magazine. Yes, yeah, so I was working yeah. for them, and they paid a lot of money. <laughs> Much more than any other magazine has ever paid. And the editor said to me, you know, you can't And isn't that for... funny because they were probably the least distributed of, of any magazine that was out there at the time. But they were funded by ABC, okay, and ABC had real money to invest in itself. And the editor said, um, Joanne Burke, said, you know, you can't write for us and be a critic at the same time, so you're going to have to take another name. So that's how Marlena kind of evolved. It wasn't an attempt to be secret. It was just a conflict of interest with, 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 uh, with, with episodes. <laughs> so so that's how it happened, you know, and wow. a friend a friend of mine came up with the name. Which is my middle name is Marlena, so that's that's and, and La Croix is like Paso La Croix, so and it just got famous so that you know, it kinda of took off, so you know, it's just one of these crazy things that happens. You know, when the magazine started for for the first maybe year and a half you were bi weekly instead of weekly. Yeah, I know. I think I was alternated with my friend Chris Shemring who unfortunately passed away mm-hmm. and John Genevieve who stopped, who was another friend of mine. And who also, I think, just stopped, you know, writing soap stuff. So uh, one day they called me up and they said, do you want to do it every week? I said, okay. <laughs> and 
you know, because I had lots of ideas then. I mean, there were so many things to write about. It was a joy to, to have this for a job, to sit in your house and, and, and to write whatever you wanted every week and get paid for it. You know, it was it was fantastic. Plus, you know, I was doing other things. I was writing a column. I was starting to teach NYU. So it was really a great job, the best job I ever had. You know, there was there was so much quality to write about back then. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff to write about nowadays, but it's all almost all negative. Yeah, but, that's you know, the back problem. Then, back then, there was real quality stuff to you know sink your teeth into and really write about and illuminate the shadows of. Right, and and the thing is, there's so many funny things going on. You know, the way that they all of a sudden they introduce you know they introduce they introduce Jacks on General Hospital and they interview ten guys with foreign accents in the next two months. You know, there were so many besides talking about the shows, there was always a topic, you know what I'm saying, like a crazy head writer, or, you know, there was always a topic. I wrote a column on plastic surgery. I mean, and, and the best thing is that I could think of whatever I wanted every week, which is a, a gift to a writer. And, you know, and there was just so much thing because the people in the industry were so much fun to write about, you uh-huh. know. They were so crazy and odd and creative, you know. It was just, 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 just a wonderful, wonderful thing to, for a writer to have. You know, I think I think the great legacy of Soap Opera Weekly was it was the first magazine that really introduced you to the people behind the scenes, the executive producers, the head writers. Uh, you know, it, it kind of forced the whole industry to wake up to the fact that, you know, people were getting wise to the idea that these shows weren't created out of whole cloth. I mean, they were actually, you know, uh huh, they well, were actually made by people. Yeah, well, in my magazine, Afternoon TV, was in eighty to eighty three. We did we did some head writer interviews and. You know, in those days, you know, nobody wanted to talk to them because nobody knew who they were. And I used to talk to them basically because I was not real excited about talking to actors after a while. And I was really just curious. And it was so different. They weren't gods then. You'd call them up and you'd, you know, go over to their house and they'd give you a fabulous interview. And then you'd know them for years. And it was, it was just wonderful. And then, you know, by talking to them, you got to see the way the shows were created. And the head writers were not the only ones who created it, as is believed today. It was, like, you know, a whole panel of people, yeah. although the head writers were always really interesting. Well, and, uh, you know, talk about the best of the best. I mean, Doug Marlin and Agnes Nixon and Claire Levine. I mean, they're, you know. Uh-huh. Well, I got to know them. I mean, it was such a privilege, you know. I mean, I literally got to know them as people, you know. And, I, and, and um, you know, and Jim Riley and Malone, so many people. And I just got to know them. And, you know, it was just a, it was a real privilege for me, basically, you know, to, to see the way they worked and to see what kind of people they were, because the kind of people they were reflected in their shows, you know, like Agnes was an intensely religious mother of a big family, and you could see that in the show. Claire was an intensely religious mother of a big family, and you could see that in the show, you know, and Jim was, Jim Riley was funny and, 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 you know, very, very intelligent and very smart, and you could see it in the show, so that was the fun part for me was seeing how these interesting people were reflected in what they in, in their shows. And I don't think it happens that much anymore though. That's I think that's one of our problems. Well I think the most important thing about back then was the people at the executive level in the in the network offices really loved soaps oh, and they cared did. about their soaps. Yeah, they did. The A B C people forget about it. They loved the soaps. I had such fans at A B C Daytime and um you know, and I knew the women. I knew the women. They loved the shows. And now God knows who's running, you know, the the frat house known as as as, as A B C. But that that is the difference. And they used to read the scripts and they used to make sure there was continuity. You know, one of my friends that was his job was to read the scripts and, and have continuity, Gary Warner, you know. But and and now it's just the opposite. It's really sad. 
really sad. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's amazing when you look at the ABC shows and realize that for the first time probably in history, each show has a male head writer and, you know, a male at, at the top in, in, the, in the network suite and... Uh, well, haven't I mentioned that a million times in my column? <laughs> you know, the reason is that you know it's true, and I think it has a lot to do with the problems. But you know, I used to know Brian Franz. He's, we, he was the vice president at NBC in 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 the '80s, and we were all pals in those days. <clears throat> okay, and yeah, I could see why he's doing what he's doing because he's he just is who he is. That's all, and I don't you know he's not the kind of person that. Um, is interested in in a, in a woman's point of view. So what could I say? But you know he's there, and unfortunately that's who we're stuck with. But as I said, I knew Brian when he was a very young man, and uh-huh. and you know I can't say anymore. <laughs> but wasn't Brian the man who put Santa Barbara on the air? And yeah, you know, he was the father of Santa Barbara. He loved it. That was his show, and he delighted in it. He really did. He really did. But you have to say there were different times. There was lots of money then. Exactly. You know, exactly. it's a different. It's a different, you know, it, it, it was there was just a, a whole totally different canvas to paint on for someone like him. Now there's no money. But then there was lots of money. Do you see? And also he had the Dobsons, who were like the craziest people in the world, and would come up with all these crazy things. And you know, who I, who I, I was privileged to know, and and he, you know, they didn't let him come in and 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 you know and interfere. Not like today. So yeah. it's very so sad. But you he's. Know, He's still the same person, yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to think of the dichotomy, you know, of of all of all the quality that, that he was directly associated with. Uh-huh. To look at his lineup of shows now, you you would never you would never believe it. You'd never know it. Well, you know, as I said, you know, the times are different, you know, and Brian is, you know, he spent a lot of years in Europe that nobody knew about, and you know, I just uh, it's just really sad. <laughs> That's all I could say. It's just really sad. You know, he was in his 30s when I knew him, and now we're all kind of older. You know? <laughs> so in your in your 12-year tenure at uh, Soap Opera Weekly in Critical Condition, you, you touched on some pretty dicey subjects. Were you ever, I don't want to say censored, but were you ever kind of warned off of certain things? or? Um, not really. That was the best part because, as I said, Mimi went to back for me. You know, they would call me, you know, once in a while and say, well, you know, change this or change that. But, they, you know, but it wasn't like a, anything I, of my opinions, you know. Yeah. And um, But then maybe, into maybe about five years or so into it, you know, all of a sudden the executives got really, really nasty and started giving Mimi a hard time. So it was really dicey there for a while, you know. But it had more to do with their egos than what I was writing. Yeah. You know, like we had Ken Corday gave us the worst time in the world. It had nothing to do with him. He couldn't stand the fact that I was writing about Jim Riley a lot. So that has nothing to do with the shows. Do you see what I'm saying? It was more uh-huh. like a personal thing. It wasn't uh-huh. more like, oh, you can't write about that. You know, people had egos, and they wanted it to be reflected in their egos. You know, Didn't... I once wrote a column about Megan McTavish, and the producer of the show attacked me at a party. That was my best story. You know, he he just came on me and attacked me. You know, and and that was my best story. And and you know, but where is he today? He's gone. And I was right about Megan. I was the first person on to her because I knew her. You know, I knew her fairly well before she changed. Uh-huh. <laughs> so as I said, they were not really saying don't write this, don't write that. You know what I'm saying? I think it was just whatever was very touchy. 
but you were very no holds barred in your opinions and Oh I'm, yeah. Well I'm I'm sure that won you some detractors. I'm sure it did. Oh yeah, as I said, that producer, you know, attacked me. <laughs> and um a guiding he was the executive producer of Guiding Light and sure, you know, I, I have like this you know, I've had on and off relationships with, you know, lots of these people. I mean, Paul Rash and I have been, you know, just like everybody else in the industry. He loves me, he hates me, he loves me, he hates me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it depends on, you know, what, you know, when you get them. Like, I was the first person to say the clone story on Guiding Light was a bunch of garbage, right? <laughs> and everybody else at Weekly thought it was fabulous. And then Paul stopped talking to me, you know? I mean, it wow. just, you know, but, but when he did a Turner, when he did, um, what, not a Turner, what is the, the one with the spaceship? You know, Vicky goes to heaven. Yeah, yeah. He called me up and said, oh, thank you. You're wonderful. I love you. You see what I mean? So, you know, when you're up, you're up. And when you're down, yeah. you're down. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, in 97 when you when when Erica stole Maria's baby for a time. And oh, yeah. Maybe she adopted. And, and Agnes Nixon actually wrote you a letter based on the column that you wrote. Yes, that was one of my proudest you. moments. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I was very proud. I really was. And I think that's a big turning point in soaps because, you know, that's when they really started to, like, around that era, 77, you know, they had to do things that they really didn't want to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't think they wanted to do that, Eric. You know, but all of a sudden the stakes went up and people had to do, you know, storylines that were more and more daring. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, Agnes is like the smartest woman in the world, except for Claire. And, you know, we, I knew her, we were friendly, and I interviewed her for the American Archives of Television over the years, so it was a very friendly thing that she wrote that. And I was very complimented. I, I really was, but I think that's really an important point in self-history because, you know, they didn't want to write that crap either. <laughs> I'm serious, you know, they did not. And, and you know, they, they were forced to, and, you know, it was very, very sad. Very, very sad period for all the subs when they started doing all this, you know, rapists and, you know, you know, all the crap that you see today, rapes and, you know, all the things that had nothing to do with love. And um, it's interesting, though, because there are still, all the writers are still the same. So they will probably be the most interesting to talk to about having to write this stuff. You know, that was the, that was the era of Jim Riley and Days and, and their meteoric ratings rise. And you became convinced that, that all my children and Days were locked in a race to see who could come up with the most outrageous storyline. I, I think so, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, thank you for remembering, but because um, I, you know, I, it was very, you know, they were very competitive, you know. And, you know, these shows watch the other shows. You know, they all know each other. All the, Everybody knows each other, so, so they know exactly what's going on. But unfortunately, you know, not everybody had the mind of Jim, you know. And, and you know, people just, you know, when he invented crazy things, they were crazy and they usually work. But when other people do it, it didn't work. And he knew that, you know, he knew that. But he, he invented a lot of crappy stuff, too. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, it's very competitive. And, and that's what we who are fans don't realize. They really are competing with each other intensely, <laughs> intensely. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned Jim. Um, you know, his crazy stuff was absolutely crazy, but it was all steeped in classic soap history and, and, and form. Yeah, because he was very smart. You know, I could say that from knowing him. He knew what he was doing. He was a very smart man. He knew soap opera. He knew what worked and what didn't. He had worked on ten soaps, you know, and so he, he knew exactly what worked. <laughs> and what didn't work. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think he probably lost it towards the ends of Passions, but, you know, I think it was days and... You know, but he would always say people would, end, you know, would blame him for the end of soap operas, and he would say, "I never ended soap operas. This has nothing to do with me." 
He's a delightful guy, really. A delightful man. Why do you think that he was so intensely private? Um, I mean, you know, he, he never associated with his actors. He never, you know, he was just always a very private guy. Yeah, I know. And I always felt very privileged that I got to be friendly with him because I don't think anybody else did except for Logan. Um, I just think that he, you know, he, he was very overweight, which everybody knows. And I just think that he didn't really enjoy the company of actors. You know, he he didn't like he didn't like people hassling him to write things for for sure. No, it's true. You know that happened all the time, and, and he was the opposite of Doug. Doug loved loved actors, and yeah. I just think that he was just very happy to live in his house with his you know with his Irish setters, and you know in, in you know and and and, Vance and and you know and talk to people on the phone. I think that he just didn't need yeah. to socialize. You know, he just wasn't. You know, some people don't want to be friends with actors. I know that's hard for fans to believe, but. <laughs> You know, but he was very friendly with a lot of the other writers. I mean, very friendly. Lorraine Broderick was a very close friend of his, and and uh, Patrick Mulcahy was a very close friend of his. And you know, he really knew a lot of a lot. You know, a lot, a lot of people in the industry, and talked with them all the time. You know, I've become friendly on Facebook with Patrick Mulcahy, and I've been trying to to drag him onto my show to, uh-huh. to discuss you know the glory days of his career. I mean, he's responsible for some of the greatest single episodes in the history of the genre. Oh, definitely. And people have always tried to make him a head writer, you know, and he doesn't want to. But I think he's, you know, he's like Jim. He does what he wants to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I think that, you know, it's very interesting that he's on Facebook. I don't think Jim would ever be on Facebook, but that's besides the point, <laughs> you know. But I miss but, him. It's, it's really, you know, it's just so hard to believe that he's gone. And, and you know, the way he went was, was just, um, you know, stunning the way it happened. Yeah. Yeah, really. So uh, you mentioned you mentioned Ken Corday earlier, and oh and, him, <laughs> go on. I think everybody remembers in 1999 when you wrote a uh, you were you wrote an article entitled "General Hospital is Boring." And oh God, yes, that's, for that's some a bizarre reason, story. Ken Corday went apeshit crazy over that and decided to ban Soap Opera Weekly from all Days of Our Lives coverage. Yes, but you know what? I really didn't. You know, I just wrote that, and it all. It all came down on poor Mimi, you know. She was the one who had to take the responsibility for that. And I admire that. She said, the hell with you, Ken, because, you know, Ken cannot, you know, you're a journalist. You don't let people tell you what's right, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's a matter of professionalism. And I teach journalism. So she was a good, good journalist in not letting him push her around, you know. And he really thought he couldn't, and he, could, and he couldn't. So the hell with him. <laughs> Did you have any idea at the time of writing that article that it, that it would cause such a firestorm in that way? No, because it was about General Hospital. It wasn't about Days of Our Lives. Exactly, exactly. You know, it was about General Hospital. And General Hospital was boring then. You, you know, when, I don't even know who was the, was Wendy the producer then? Yeah, it was Wendy Rich, and it was, uh, I believe Bob Guzer was still the, the head writer. Well, I knew Wendy His really well, and Wendy didn't call and yell. Do you see what I'm saying? That if, if it was, if it was, if it was, and no one from ABC called. It was Ken. Okay, yeah. so that is such ancient history. But it was really, you know, <laughs> it shows more about him than it shows anything about Soap Opera Weekly. You know, I just think that you know it was unfortunate. Again, very unfortunate. And you know, again, I was just sitting in my house writing. You know, Mimi is the one who took the heat. <laughs> but did she ever call you up and say, "My God, what have you done"? No, because I didn't do anything. What did I do? I didn't do a thing. You know, I didn't do a thing. I just wrote my column. 
you know. And also, a lot of that didn't just come from um, me. It came from the fact that, you know, that, that, that I had always writing a lot about passions. and Was passions around then? No. I had written a lot about Jim Riley, and I had written nothing about Ken. You write me letters saying, why don't you write something about me? I'm serious. So it's an ego thing. It was just an ego thing. It had nothing wow. to do with, rea- you know, nothing to do with, with me writing scathing things. I think I just said that, you know, Sonny was boring. <laughs> you know, that was 10 years ago. You know, more than that. You know? And it's, we're still stuck with Sonny and Guza. So, you know, what was the, the long-run effect of that? Nothing. We still have Guza. <laughs> So you left Critical Condition in 2001. You devastated all of your fans by kind of leaving rather abruptly and without warning. Um, can you talk a little bit about your decision to leave? What what prompted it? Well, um, who was the editor then? Mimi was gone, right? And Linda was there, and she was gone. And I think they had just put Carolyn in. And let's just say that I, the soap opera digest people who took over the magazine were not the same kind of journalists that we were at Weekly, and I just could not coexist with their um, unjournalistic uh, relationships with people in the industry. You know, you can't write criticism if if, if, you're, if you can't write cert- about certain people or certain things. So, hasta la vista. It was very, very upsetting for me. Very upsetting. So, you know, but there was a different ownership. You know, you you know, magazines go the way that the ownership and the editor goes. It's not just you, you know, you're you're working for someone. So it was very upsetting. But, you know, there were other things to do in life, like as you said, get married and exactly. get a master's degree. During that time were you flat out told you cannot write about X and Y and Z? No. Okay. No, but the atmosphere was different. Let's just you just had a general way. sense that that something else was in the water. What? You just had a general sense that that something else was in the water. Sure, you know, you know, we were so used to being real journalists that you know to go and and write the way the soap opera digest way is was not my way. And also, I was a journalism professor, and it's very hard to teach one thing and then act right differently. Do, do you see what I mean? Exactly. Yes. Uh huh. And in 2006, you were enticed to come back to the Marlena Delacroix moniker. Uh-huh. Um, uh, talk about talk about what brought you back to soaps and to the name Marlena. Well, first of all, I'm a, a lifer with soaps. I never stopped watching them. Even when I was in graduate school, I would come home and, you know, make sure that I watched One Life Full of at Night. And, um, <laughs> you know, I always read the magazine, like, under the table and stuff. But um, a friend of mine whose name is Ed Martin worked for a TV website called Jack Myers Come, and it was his idea for me to come back. And I was home anyway. I mean, I was, like, applying for jobs and and he said, oh, come do this for us. So I started, and I did it, and I just really took to it again. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was a different world by then. You know, things had changed a lot, and, you know, this is the first time I had done it online. And then maybe about six months after that, you know, we just decided to start my own website because we wanted more soap fans to see what I was writing. But um, it's, a bit, it's very different than working for a magazine. <laughs> did, did you have any legal issues with the name at all or no? No, they left me alone. You know, I don't mention them, and they they left me alone. (laughs) You know, what are they going to do, make somebody else recast Marlena? They can't do that. (laughs) And do you hear from people in the the industry today as you did back in the day? Oh, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I don't really, you know, back in the day I used to do interviews, and I was a lot more active. You know, now I'm a little bit more, 
you know, I'm not as into, like, the interview part of it because, you know, I have a job, which is, you know, to be a journalism professor. And, um, but occasionally, you know, I'll speak to somebody or, you know, they'll call me and say, oh, remember this, you know, or, or what. But it's interesting because this is quintessentially the same crowd, you know, running the shows, mm-hmm. except that they're not the same. <laughs> not at all. Uh, are you open with your students about about? The, the Marlena side of your personality? Are, yeah, yeah, I used to not be, but why not? You know, now there's like Google, you know, <laughs> so they can look me up and find it. You know, I was teaching, I was teaching this high school class, a summer class, and this really smart kid came over to me and he said, are you Marlena Delacroix? And I was like shocked, you know, but I realized he looked it up on Google. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, 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 as I was telling you on the phone, I have a I have an almost complete collection of Soap Opera Weekly, so I can pull them down and thumb through them anytime, but... You know, it almost makes you wish. It, it makes me wish that that some of those were some of those were archived online, so that you yeah, me too, me too. But you know, they're owned by Soap Opera Digest, and you know, they're owned by they're not owned by me. They're owned by the company. So, yeah. you know, let's see what happens. You know, with the state of the company, we'll see. You know, I feel the same way. I'd love for them to be online. And Soap Opera Weekly is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. We were talking about that on the phone before. Uh-huh. Um, uh, what do you th- what do you think about its future? It, you know, are, are they eventually going to merge Weekly and Digest, or I don't know. You know, I'm not friendly with the people over there, but um, I I really don't know. But you know, it's interesting that they're doing the 20th anniversary because they started doing it, you know, in March or something. And I said, wait a minute, Soap Opera Weekly started in November. I know because I was there. <laughs> and then you know they're doing all these things like you know 20 villains and 20 this and 20 that, and it's like why don't they just celebrate the history of Soap Opera Weekly? But then again, I have nothing to do with it anymore. So, um, you know, it's interesting that they're doing it because there's only one person there who was there at the beginning, and that's it. Wow. You yeah. know, the the great thing they're doing on their website, I think, is that they're they're asking fans to choose uh, from their from <clears throat> they're asking fans to choose their favorite cover of each soap, and they're they're picking. And that's nothing to do with what the magazine isn't about the covers. It's about what's in the magazine, and that's my objection. But, you know, they could do whatever they want. <laughs> that's a fair point. But, you know, Soap Opera Weekly back in the day was known for its great covers. I mean, they did very stylized, very unique covers. That was, that was a, you know, it was a very much a new wrinkle to the, to the industry of soap journalism, the, you know, paying attention to the cover of the magazine. And Soap Opera Weekly really pioneered that back in the day. And so, it, you know, it's, it's great fun to... to to look at some of those old covers and choose your favorites, because, uh, you know, I have my favorites, and, and I'm sure everybody else does, too. Really? I always thought the covers were pretty yucky, but, you know, you should look up the covers of my magazine, Afternoon TV. We just used to do one couple, and uh, they were beautiful. And I have, you know, like all the couples, we didn't have any, like, that type around it. And we used mm-hmm. to do portraits, and we have everybody, Greg and Jenny, you know. Uh, oh, God. We, we did every couple that was really big then. So, uh, you know, if you're ever in a, on eBay, take a look. They're really artistic. So let's talk about some of today's topics. Um, I don't know. Let's just let's just dive in. What, what are your thoughts on the Emmy nominations this year? Well, I work. Uh, I'm sick of the Emmys. I think that everybody should take all the energy they're putting into the Emmys and put them into trying to save the industry. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to offend the actors or the shows because I think that they really deserve awards for what they have to do. I think they have the hardest jobs in the world. But I'm just sick of all this hype I mean, because next year no one will remember, and next year it might not even be so. So why go crazy over something like this? Any any thoughts on on who should have been nominated, who was nominated? 
No, I don't really care, to tell you the truth. I, as I said, I think that everybody should be, you know, putting their efforts into saving the industry. You know, I've done, you know, I went to the Emmys like 35 years in a row. and yes. You know, and, and it doesn't, I just don't think it's relevant anymore. And now with us being shunted off to the to the CW this year, it's it's even it's even worse in a way. Yeah, it's funny because my husband and I were planning a vacation yesterday, and he said, "Oh, we'll be in Baltimore August thirty first. And I said, "Oh, wait, I have to watch the Emmys. I'll forget it. I'd rather go, you know, you know, I'd rather go take a harbor cruise. But I, as I said, I just think that 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 they're just irrelevant. You know, that if people had any sense, they would take the time and 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 save the industry. What's your favorite soap right now? None. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, they're all so problematic. They're so problematic. You know, every single show has a problem, except for maybe Young and the Restless. And and you know, I, I you know, it's so sad. You know, to to think of you know what these shows were and what they you know are now. You know, I, all my children was always my favorite show, but mm-hmm. now it's a disaster, disaster, <laughs> a disaster. Can you believe that they've cool, that they've killed off Stuart Chandler? Can you believe? I don't believe they've killed off Stuart because you remember in the past Stuart and Adam were always like you know like assuming each other's identities. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I was watching and 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 Canary had some little Stuart smiles along the way. So my my you know uncultured opinion, uninformed opinion is that that's not Adam, that's Stuart. <laughs> they always did it for years. <laughs> I'm not sure that Stuart is, is smart enough to pull off. Yes, he is. Stuart was always smarter than Adam. That was the best part. <laughs> you know? But I think it's a great storyline because Canary is, like, so talented. And I got to interview him for the Archive of American Television, and I watched him on the set one day, and he is a genius. You don't realize how good he is until you see him work. He is, like, the spark plug of that show, and I never, ever even thought about him before I saw him live. Wow. He really is a genius. You know he has saved so many, so many uh, bad storylines on that show that I know, you know I they know. They ought to, they ought to make a hall of fame just for him. I know. Well, you know, he's just a very interesting man, and, and you can find my, my interview is on online if anybody wants to read it. You know, the American Archive of, of Television. And they have some great interviews. They have an interview with Erica Slezak over there. They have an interview with Agnes Nixon. I know. I did the Agnes Nixon interview. Did you? If you want to see me ten years ago, just there I am. Yes. I did the Agnes interview, my, one of my great honors in, in, in Soapland. That's a really great website they have. And, you know, it's, it's, they, they, what's great about it is they pay attention to all the facets of television. You know, in most other forums like that, daytime kind of gets shunted off to, you know, right. but, uh-huh. but well, you in could... this, it's, it's all re- daytime, late night, morning, it's all represented, and it's right. all represented fairly. Right, definitely, definitely. They've and, done a really um, good job. What? They've done a really good job representing the best of all of television. Oh, definitely. And as I say, I'm really honored that I got to do two of those interviews because, um, you know, they don't pick just anyone for those. <laughs> no, I'm serious, you know. And, and um, you know, the Agnes one is one of the best things I've ever done in my life, so I'm very wow. proud of it. Are you still friendly with her today? I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her. I just sent her, um, you know, when she was on the show and she played that. Um, remember when she was on the show like six months ago? And she yeah, played yeah. You know, Aggie, you know that weird that weird woman. I thought she was spectacular, you know, because she started as an actress, and I just literally sent her my review of it, which was great. I just thought she was magic. She's the most amazing person ever. 
does she still have anything to do with ABC at all in terms of? Oh, yeah, sure. She's still, uh, she's still, she's still, you know. I heard that she really didn't like through the grapevine. I heard that she really hated, as we all did, you know, as it was Pratt screwed up the lesbian storyline. She was yeah. very upset, as I was and everybody else was too. <laughs> and it's too bad too because they had such gold with that story. I mean, oh my God, the actresses were beyond—they deserve the Emmys. <laughs> they deserve to be. They deserve everything that you know. And the way they screwed up that story was such a. See if they had a real president at and if they had real people at abc daytime that wouldn't have happened that that's the job of the people at the top is to make sure that everything runs smoothly and that stupid things like that don't happen <laughs> i'm serious <clears throat> talk about the beth eller situation at all my children why hasn't it worked the way the way it should have the, the what the what situation the Beth Eller situation coming over from Guiding Light to all. I don't know. You know, I'm not on the inside. I haven't heard from her. I I just don't know. But I love the guy who uh, I don't remember his name. The guy who plays the soldier. What was his What's his name? Uh, uh, J. R. Martinez. He is fantastic. He is the soul of that show. And all of a sudden, they just stop. You know, there's no story there. I don't understand it. But he just developed from nothing into everything in the space of like three or four months. I have such a high regard for him. And it's it's funny too when you think back that All My Children was really the first soap that dealt with the Vietnam War head on. And that's right. That's all Agnes. That's all her conscious. That's all Agnes. It all comes from her. You know, it's amazing that that's their legacy and that they they chose to uh, you know attack this war. And it's too bad that the story didn't really pan out because you know the 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 acting talent involved is, is spectacular. I know. You know, the show has just been so poorly run. I just can't understand. You know, the only the only hope I have from that show is that. Um, you know who Lisa D. Cosette is? Yeah, she was the. She started off on One Life to Live Years Ago. Right. I know Lisa. She, We're friendly because I used to know her back in the One Life days. And she's now the number two person. You know, she was the, the producer of Passions. And mm-hmm. she is my only hope for that show because she knows what she's doing. Didn't they once upon a time name Carlo Hesser after her? Yes, they sure did. <laughs> she, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> And she did great work on, on General Hospital Night Shift last year. The second oh, year. my God, yeah. She was trained by Paul, by Paul Rush was her mentor. Yeah. Speaking of Paul, how do, you, how, do you, how do you grade the marriage between him and Maria Bell over at Oh, Netflix? it's great. You know, I, I, I've been wanting to write about it, and I haven't had a chance. But, you know, I can see Paul in every episode. I know exactly what he does. I know how he does his shows, and it's so Paul. It's perfect. Talk about I, it. Tell, tell me why. Tell me what you see. Oh, just the music. Just the way, if you look at the way that some of the, the you know, he, Paul has a very artistic eye because he's an artist and he has an art collection. And, you know, if you look at the way some of the shows, the way that people are like, you know, they're like lined up and the way that, you know, the love scenes, there's something very arty about them. And also he uses music to punctuate the dialogue, which nobody does anymore. Mm-hmm. Plus he works with young actors. That's his trademark. You know, years ago he worked with people like, uh, Oh, God, he trained everybody on Another World. He's very, very good with young actors, and, you know, he kicks their ass. And, and, and to me, the young actors are much better than they were before he got there, especially uh, Crystal, what's her last name? Crystal Khalil. Yeah, who I didn't like at all, and now she's much better, and the men look fabulous. He also always makes sure that the men get great haircuts. That's the mark of Paul, because he's a very dapper, pers- very dapper upper-class person. You know, he, he's very visual. You know, the look is very important to him. He's like the last of the great ones. 
you know, you, you talk about his his affinity for the younger cast. That was that was the best thing he. That was really, to my eye, the best thing he did on Guiding Light was he really built up the younger cast of that show. Oh yeah, look at Tammy. What was her last Tammy name? Tammy Blanchard. Oh my God, she has done so well. I interviewed her. She was fantastic. She was like this little girl from Newark, and you know, oh my God, he really developed her. She's done so fantastically. You know. He was in and he, he had Joy Lenz over there. He had Paul Anthony Stewart. I mean, he really... Yeah, because the man has taste. He <clears> really <throat> does. He knows what real acting is. But he could be a, he could be pretty difficult, too. So, But, you know, when he was on one, like, we have something on my website right now, MarlenaDillaClive.com. We have an interview with, uh, with uh, Jim DePriva, who, you know, he, he created Jim DePriva, Paul Roush. And, and Jim DePriva just wrote me a letter how much he loves Paul Roush. So, you know, I, I, I urge everyone to read it. That interview is great. I read the second part this morning, and and oh, he David, put it up all right. I didn't even put it up. Yeah, he, he put it up. He put it up about I don't know twenty minutes before we went on the air. Oh, I, good. I, I didn't even it. know. That's my my husband who puts that stuff. He he does the graphic stuff. Really? Yeah. Isn't that a great interview? I'm really it, excited. It really is. Dam- you know, Damon is such such a great guy. I had him on my show. Um, uh huh. Yeah, Damon is great. Uh huh. And uh, what a great interview he pulled out of. Out of James, who is the, I you know, know, I know. He's, no, he's notoriously candid anyway, so it must not. Have, it couldn't have been too hard to, you know, pull the things out of him that he did. But well, you know but, what? In the days when he was really hot, I had a friend who interviewed him for Digest, and he was really. First of all, he wouldn't give interviews, and second of all, he was really difficult to interview. And now, you know, I think it's it's very interesting. I miss him. I think I, I really miss him on the show. I really do. I think he belongs back on that show. And it was so funny when when he came back to the show for that two episode stint. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When eight when when they did Ace's funeral, I mean, he was the the same. He was the one that your eye immediately gravitated toward because he's he was a star. Like, he was, but you know what his problem is? It's not his problem. It's the one life's problem. That you know he's like an old fashioned romantic leading man. You know, and they don't have that anymore on that show. You know, they go more for like the John Paul Lavoisiers or the Brodies, and he's not like them. You know, it's, and they don't Michael write Easton. his what? Or Michael Easton. Yeah, I mean they don't write. Um, you know, they don't write the private kind of stories anymore, and I think that's what the real problem is. But that's just the style of that show. You know, I think he's a really talented guy, and if he isn't on that show, he should be on some other show. But as he says in the interview, I mean, uh, you, you know, when when you when you only do one thing and you're known for doing one thing, it's hard to get anybody else to see you as doing something else. That's true. It's hard to be an actor. It really is. It really is. It, it's so difficult to change your image you know i have a friend that um used to be on all my children and she played zora the nurse do you remember her with she was a black woman that played zora with 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 um laura anyway oh, yeah. Yeah. her name was katrina ganey and she's an actress yeah. and she's a fantastic fantastic actress and you know she they always cast her as like a nurse you know they never and now she refuses to play nurses because she doesn't want you know she, it's really really hard if you're an actor change your image it's very difficult and you know i feel for him and for all actors in that way mm-hmm. you know especially when you're a soap actor and nobody <laughs> wants you because you're a soap actor you know one of the, one of the things i did when i was uh as writing for my syndicate is i interviewed a lot of actors who came from soaps who, who hit it big in other places so it was very interesting to see what how they you know that people have stereotyped them and how they got out of it and you know, some of the people love soaps, like Alex Baldwin will always talk about soaps, and some of the people mm-hmm. will never talk about soaps, you know. So, it's you know, it's, it's it's hard. It really is hard. How do you feel about the Guiding Light cancellation? 
Well, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I think it's a shame, of course. You know, I mean, I watch Guiding Light. I love Guiding Light. Everybody watch Guiding Light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really a tragedy. It, it, it really is. Um, but in terms of the cancellation, you see, I have problems not with Guiding Light. I have problems with their publicist. I think the show is is not publicized in a, in a, in a, in a, in a fair way anymore. And um, I know they were really desperate to have it not be canceled, but they did not act really professionally. So that's why I have some some mixed feelings about it. I feel really sorry for the fans and the show. You know, it's it's I don't know. I I I, I have mixed feelings as well. You know, it's one part of me says that that show is you know it's the oldest show in the history of the world uh-huh. and it deserves to live forever. But the other part of me says you know it's a business. You know, it's 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 probably been losing money for a long time. You know, there's there's really no justification for keeping it on the air in terms of a business standpoint. But you know, so it's 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 really a mixed bag there. But you know, it's uh, what a legacy they've left behind. I mean, it's it's really something. Well, they had also you know so many people like you know blaming on Ellen Wheeler. I gave Ellen Wheeler her first interview when she was on Another World a hundred years ago. Okay, so I knew her when she just started, and she's a talented woman and. It's not her fault. They tried something different, and it didn't work. But, you know, I hate the way the fans blame, 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 blame. You know, Guiding Light's been going off the air for 15 years. I'd love to write a story about, you know, you know, there's a lot of people's fault who it was. It's not just what's happening now. You know, people always, you know, they glom onto people, and, you know, we like this one, we hate this one, we hate like this one. And, you know, these people are not what their images you know, they're not what they, what people think. And it always bothers me when people are very hateful. How many of those actors do you think have a have a decent chance of, of finding daytime work elsewhere? Who? Where I'm Guiding Light? Yeah, the Guiding Light people. Oh, I'm sure they'll scavenge a show. They always do. Do you remember Texas? You said that was your first show? <laughs> yes. Texas was a great show. And they took all the talent and put it on Guiding Light. I was around then. I knew Pam Long when she was a bathing beauty, seriously, before she wow. was even a writer. We took her on a, a boat around New York, and she was like, did these baby, bathing beauty shots. So, um, look what happened to her. <laughs> but, so, you know, that, that, was the, that was the era when there were 15 shows on the air, and, you know, now we're talking about there'll be seven left, and, and they're all tightening the belts. I'm just wondering how many of those people really have a realistic chance of, of you know, in this atmosphere, finding work elsewhere. I really in the, don't know. In the daytime genre. I mean, you know, not, not, not saying they'll never act again in other places, but... Well, I, you know, isn't there somebody coming with Guiding Light? Stephanie, is she coming to... No, it's one left to live? No, I can't remember. But, you know, I think a couple of them will get to ABC, you know. And one left to live is always bringing people on and off and on and off and on and off. You just never know with them. Yeah. You, you know, they're all in the city. They all know each other. So, um, and I think that's going to be my next column. Uh, that I've been putting together will be on what's happened in the last month or so on One Life to Live because I feel very passionate about it. Let's let's talk about it. Are, are you are you are you impressed with that show at all or or no? Well, I'm impressed with it. It's that I want to watch it. It's like popcorn, you know. It's really watchable, you know. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, I'm a thinking fan, as I say in my column. And when you stop and think about what they're doing, it's just so, so many things are so crazy. They're so absurd, you know. I mean, you know, like Powell. Do you watch it? Yes, I, I watch it every day. I never. That's you know. Okay, that's Powell, show. Powell, Powell is the one who who is insane because he he wants to get revenge on 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 Todd. Isn't that what we all want? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's true, and it's so sexy. 
kissed. You know, the thing with Todd and Taya, you know, and the love scene, he's saying, well, come here, baby. You know, I, you know, you know, don't you want, I mean, he wrapped her in the face. I mean, he hit her. And, you know, he hit her. And now they're having, like, these big love scenes. And, you know, it just, like, blows my mind. It's so sexist. <laughs> I've carried on in my column about that for the last year or two, about how damn sexist they are. It's really offensive. I mean, I love watching it, but it, I mean, when, well, if you think about it, they've, they've got a lot of problems. <laughs> you know, well, they need a self-shrink. That's what they need. <laughs> isn't it funny how they're trying to redeem Todd all over again? No, and, they've and redeemed Todd for 17 years, you know. I know, but, you know, after after the events of last November, it seemed like he was done as a character, and, and all of a sudden he's he's slowly coming back to life. I, he's Sonny Corinthos, that's why. He is, he's Sonny Corinthos. He is. He'll never die. And, you know, I wrote endlessly about how disgusting that rape storyline was with, with uh, Marnie. People keep sending me letters like, oh, I don't think it was so disgusting. I, so I don't, the, the show is not being written for women. I think it's being, I don't know who it's being written, but it's not being written for me. But I watch. But you watch every day, so it's it's, it's <laughs> funny. I know because it's so you know the, the Marlena in me. There's so much in there to beat up, but I really am offended by the sexist stuff that they do because it should not be on the air. And the old the women at at at, at the old ABC would not let it go through. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Erica Slezak situation? Was oh, Erica! That, was it just a story that got blown out of proportion, or are they really trying to get rid of her over there? I have no idea, okay, but I've been a huge Erica fan my whole life, and I've yes. met and interviewed Erica many times, and um, I wrote a column about it, and I said, don't do it. I said, if you're going to watch me watch, if you're going to make me watch rapes and, you know, and, 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 and hitting women, then you, please leave Erica. You know, that was my, my I said, I, I'll make you a deal. Leave Erica on. Okay, if you're going to leave, have, have all this awful feminist stuff, then leave Erica alone. But I'm not real hopeful, to tell you the truth. Wow. But I don't, because they've made her so awful in the last two or three months, you know. When you arrange flowers, you know it's all over. <laughs> you know, but I love Erica to death. You know, she is, she, you know, she is just, you know, and Robin, you know, Robin is my oldest, oldest soap, you know, star. I remember her, and I just, I just don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think Erica's chances are very good. What, do, what do we have to do to get rid of Stacey Morasco, the stripper that ate Landon? <laughs> I was the first one to write that they were awful. You know, everybody else said, oh, they're okay. And I wrote, they're horrible. They're horrible. And, uh, you know, and, and Gigi, oh, God. She is the, my husband watches it with me at night, and he's a, he was a theater critic, and he doesn't follow the... the like the, he doesn't follow the show, but he watches it, and he goes, yeah. "Who is that woman? She is terrible." <laughs> you know, I can I can handle her on a limited basis, but Crystal Hunt is just oh, they've got to stop it. They have to stop. And she was, I mean, they were playing her for a while there, five full days a week. I know. Well, think about this: they're getting rid of Marcy and Michael, and they're keeping those two. Marcy and Michael are real actors, you know. Michael, the guy who plays Michael, belongs to the actor's studio. And, yes. And, and, and uh, Kathy is on Broadway, and, and they're leaving, and we're getting stuck with the, the twinkle toes, too. <laughs> How do you feel about General Hospital in HD? Oh, I don't have an HD set. I don't even want to watch it normally. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, I, I I feel bad for the for the great people of the, like Laura Wright and and. Oh, I hate Carly. I don't care about Laura Wright. Carly, Carly, Carly is is just a horrible character, 
you know, and, and the fact that the son is going to live. I mean, don't they deserve for that son to die after what they did? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I like the new actor who plays Michael, but they, he should not be alive. Why should Tony get his son back? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, he's he's been dramatically altered personality-wise, so we'll see how it plays out. But Well, the actor's very good. I'm very encouraged by that. I tell you, Laura Wright is my favorite. I, I loved her on Loving. I loved her on Guiding Light. Oh, good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult her. I mean, she's, she's a very good actress. I just no, hate you weren't insulting her. You were insulting Carly. And, and the, you know, there's, there's a fair point there because, you know. She's, she's a whore. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. She never worked a day in her life. She has no education. She's totally self-absorbed. She's like the worst representative of what a woman should be. It's just that they have so many great actors over there, like Jane Elliott and Leslie oh, Nielsen yeah. and, and I, Tony Oh, Mary, I agree. And they, they get so little attention. I mean, they have to fight for every scrap they get. I know. It's just, it's just you know, I stopped watching it for a while because I was so upset when they shot Michael. I thought that was the, off, the worst thing you could ever do on a soap to shoot a kid in the, in the head, you know. And then when you go back, it's just exactly the same. <laughs> you know, it's exactly the same, so... <clears throat> It's very, you know, again, it's so hard. You know, I just, you know, I know people who have been guiding like General Hospital fans for life, you know, like all these people who started with Gloria Monty, and I just don't know how they hang in there. I really don't. What do you make of, of Days of Our Lives' recent ratings rise in the face of Ken Corday, you know, firebombing that show? Well, I, I have to admit that I'm not a Days fan, okay? I haven't been a Days fan since Susan Seaforth Hayes was on it in the 70s. <laughs> Although I fully support Peter Raquel for his Emmy because I think he, he really deserves it after everything he's done. But I, I really don't know. I think it's very scary. You know, I think Ken Corday should just retire and, and you know, go, go to Mets, you know, Mets dream camp like he used to do. And, you know, I just don't, I, I'm just not a Dave's fan. But I don't think that anybody should, any show should go off the air. I really don't. And, you know, if Peter Hall not on the show, come on. You know, to my eye, Deidre Hall, one Deidre Hall is worth 15 of those um, yeah. interchangeable children that are running amok in that, on that show now. I mean, uh-huh. You know, it, it, I agree. It, I, I can't believe that, I, I just refuse to believe that you can't take 10 or 12 of the really good actors from that show's history and build the show around them and just dispatch everybody else. Well, I think that, I don't know, I think they're on this team thing. I, who knows? I think they're just trying to save their ass. Excuse my French. I don't usually use words like that. That that so so people use the weirdest language now. You know they were they're so crass. You know, back in the day, I, I and I, I a couple of months ago, I sent you this letter and I asked you this, and and uh, I still I, have it, by the way. Okay. And I would like I would like to ask you this, you know, in a public forum now, and and get your true response to this. You know, back in the day, you meant no words about your disdain for. For uh, Linda Gottlieb and her grandstanding platitudes on one last day, back when she was the producer of that. Show. And I want to know if you don't you think that she is one person who could stand a real chance at turning this dying genre around? Well, first of all, no one's heard from her. Okay, for how many years? For good, I mean, she's dropped out of sight. I mean, she left One Life in '94, and all right, so no one has heard from her. Okay, I haven't heard from her. Nobody's heard from her. And I have no idea where she is, okay? And uh, it's funny because I'm going to go see Michael Malone read tonight here in New York. He's reading from his book. Wow. And, um, but Linda was a very forceful personality. And um, 
I don't think that she, and, but she never became like, you have to be part of the club in daytime, you have to get to know other people, and she never did. <laughs> and, you know, yes, I think in the, in the old Gloria Monty vein, she can come in and, and, and take over a show and change it. But I just don't think today anybody would change anything. They're so scared. That's why we're stuck with Guza for life. And, you know, if you notice, the producers and the writers have not been changing as often recently. Um, I think that everybody's just scared to do anything. So I think the last thing they would do would bring in someone like Linda Gottlieb. Maybe 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 five years ago, but not now. Yeah. And Linda Gottlieb actually, in the end, turned out to be very nice to me. I, she was she was uh, they had a show. Remember that they had a show. It was it was like on on Soapnet. Not not the talk show, but there was a soap show on. So you soap know, Center. Soap Center. Yeah. So you know, I I, I actually. Uh, you know, uh, did a little something for them or whatever. And she was okay, you know, as a boss. But I'm saying that, you know, I just think that when she came into daytime, she was too egotistical. She was in the movie industry. Yeah. You know, and I had lots of fights with her, but in the end we made up. <laughs> but I don't know where she is now. As I said, you meant no words and your disdain and dislike for, for what she was trying to do on that show, but... You know, the one thing she knew how to do was beat the drum and get everybody's attention. I mean, right, she was because masterful she was from Ho- at marketing that show. Because she was from Hollywood. And also, uh, also her, the publicist for that show at the time was fabulous, Rhody Rosenzweig, who was another friend of mine. Rhody, as in Rhody's. And Rhody was the world's best publicist. So wow. the two, two of them really um, worked well together. But um, I just had problems with that show because, at the time, because they were just so... They just changed it so quickly, you know, and brought in the rape and everything. And, you know, it's it's hard. People don't want soap to change. <laughs> you know, it, it just it, – I, I take your point well about, about people not wanting to change and people being too scared to change. But, you know, I mean, I know that Monty and Marlon and Riley and Bell, they're all gone. But And, you know, Nixon's all but out the door. But, but there are still people like Gottlieb, like Claire Levine, like – Nancy Curley, like Michael or uh, Patrick Mulcahy, like Michael Malone, there's still people around who have proven that they are really great at this form. And I'm just wondering why someone doesn't wake up and turn to these people who are proven great and say, "Can you help us?" Because they don't think, you know. First of all, there's no money. Okay, everything dried up. Okay, and you know, there's no left. There's no extra room to, to turn to other people. And second of all, they don't think they're great. They think Guza is great. They think, you know what I'm saying? That's what they think is great. They don't realize that, you know, someone like Michael Malone is, like, amazing. You know, they think that this genre should just be about action and sexism. And, you know, they don't think that it should be what it used to be. And that's what the real problem is. If they wanted to make it what they used to be, they have plenty of people to turn to, like Patrick and, and like, and like uh, Michael Malone. I agree with you. But I don't think they're ever going to do that. Yeah. Oh, do I sound so gloom and doom? <laughs> so, uh, are you are you in contact at all with the publicist of today? Of, of no, not really. You know, I'm just a critic like everyone else. You know, I've I've tried for months to get Lori Hogan's attention at One Life and get uh, Mitch Messenger's attention at General Hospital. And they don't want. They, no, they don't care about the self press. They don't return emails. They don't return phone calls. It's, they don't it's care really about the self press. Tell them you're from People Magazine. We'll call you right back. <laughs> But, um, you know, that's why, I mean, you know, about my column, we, you know, we haven't really talked a lot about it. That's one of the reasons that I just wanted to do criticism because I just didn't want to mess with people at the network. Yeah. And now there's so much criticism. There's criticism everywhere, you know, so. <laughs> is, it, is it harder to stand out these days in, in the blogosphere when there are so many of them? Well, 
not when you are as, as naturally talented and experienced as I am, but no, but the answer is yes, because there are a lot of people out there, and they're all, you know, they're all writing every single day, and, you know, and, 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 it's, and it is hard, it is, but I always come up with my own ideas, and they're always different from everybody else's, so, you know. I, you know, I, I, it, so that's just who I am. I've always been that way. So talk about the the continuing evolution of MarlenaDelacroix.com. You you you've brought in this great guy, Damon Jacobs, who is fantastic. Oh, Damon, yes, we made him the self strength. Damon is a wonderful guy, very interesting, and um, well, I think we're going to have some writers, uh, you know, some other writers. It depends. I'm very picky. You know, I only want really the best on my side in terms of writing. And as I said, you know, I'm a journalism professor. My husband's a journalism professor. So um, I just want to bring in the best of writing, to tell you the truth, and the best of uh, professional journalism as opposed to, like, ass-kissing or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean I'm really strict that my, my site is done the way that um, real journalism is done. And I don't think that, that is the case on a lot of sites. But that's fine. They do what they do. <laughs> You know what I think would be great for your for your site is to kind of, and you started at the beginning, but it's kind of it trailed off recently. But you know, delving more into the history of the genre, and I mean, you have such a wealth of history at your fingertips in terms of the journalism that you've done. Uh-huh. And I, I think it would be great to revisit some of that stuff on your site. Well, thank you, and yes, we will do that definitely, definitely. I I definitely know I definitely know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> No, and, and the thing is, I have known everyone, you know, and I've known all of them personally. So, you know, I really am very, very lucky to have started when I did and to, to get to know all these, you know, all the writers and the actors and, you know, and I remember everything. So um, there will be something coming your way soon, I hope, that will will will, will contain a lot of that. Excellent. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, tell Damon for me that when he when he decides that he's had enough of the of the shrink business, that he has a... He has a great future as an interviewer. He's he's fantastic. Well, good, good. That's really good because, you know, we've tried to, you know, Damon came in and he wasn't a journalist. He was a psychologist. And we've tried to, you know, we've done, he's done. He's really grown as a journalist and we're very proud of him. And, uh, you know, I really cherish everything that he gives to us. But I have to get, you know, but I'm, I'm going to be returning very shortly too, so. I tell you, I check your site every day and I look forward to, to you getting back into the swing full time, I, I I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, as I said, and it was a great thrill, finally getting a chance to speak with you uh, in person. Oh, thank you. I, I love being here, and I will be back. Um, as my readers know, my mother passed away a month ago, so I'm just yes. trying to get it together here, and I had to finish my semester, and you know, so and uh, but you know, I always watch soaps, and I said I have, you know, I've got something in the computer now that I'm kind of noodling with, and I. I will return, as as MacArthur said. I will return. Excellent. Well, I tell you what, I've had such a great time this morning, and I want you to know that you have a a permanent forum here anytime you want one to discuss anything you want. Oh, thank you. You're very, very sweet, Brandon, and I appreciate so much your loyalty over the years. Absolutely, it's it's well earned. Believe me. Okay. Well, thanks again. Okay, thank we'll you speak so soon. Much. Okay. Bye bye. The fabulous Connie Patterson, everybody, <laughs> Marlena Delacroix herself. On Brandon's Buzz. Uh, Brandon's Buzz coming to an end May 29th, 2009. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. As I told you at the top, you can download the show from my show's website, 
www.blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can listen to it there. You can download it there. You can also listen to it uh, later today. I'll have it posted on my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. And later, in about an hour or a couple of hours, it'll be posted at iTunes. You can download the show from iTunes. So I'm all over the Internet. There is no excuse not to be able to find this show because there are multiple outlets, and I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you participating in the chat. I hope I got to everybody's questions in there. Um, uh, as I said at the top, coming up next week, June 4th, I've got a great show with a great lady named Brenda Russell. Uh, you remember her from Piano in the Dark from the late 80s. She's a great singer-songwriter. She wrote the score for Broadway's version of The Color Purple. She wrote the score for How Stella Got Her Groove Back. She's, she's a great uh, uh, score, composer, songwriter, singer, and she's coming by the show to talk about her amazing career, and I can't wait for that. And I've got other shows in the pipeline that I can't talk about yet because they're not confirmed. Uh, but I've got yeses from several people, and uh, you, can, you can check out my blog. You can check out the show's website, www.blogtechradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz, to get all the information on future shows, current shows, and past shows. Um, thank you one more time to Connie. Uh, Heyman, thank you one more time to everybody for listening, and, and uh, I hope you continue to listen and continue to stick around for Brandon's Buzz. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is hot. This is Gloria Loring, and I've just been buzzed by Brandon, and I gave Brandon some buzz. This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Gordon Thompson speaking. And I want to tell you that I have appeared on Brandon's Buzz, and I had a great time. And I think you will, too, so please log on and have a listen.